So the goal tonight will be to complete chapter 11. I know Pastor Dave begun chapter 11 last week, so let us hope that we can complete chapter 11. Um, we'll start off with verse 9, and uh, we'll read all the way to the end. Uh, now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear, tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. He was of the royal line in Edom. For it came about when David was in Edom and Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain and had struck down every male in Edom. For Joab and all of Israel stayed there six months until he cut off every male in Edom. That Hadad fled to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, while Hadad was a young boy. And they rose from Median and came to Paran. And they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house and assigned him food and gave him land. Now Hadad found great favor before Pharaoh, so that he gave in marriage the sister of his own wife, the sister of Tapanes, the queen. And the sister of Tapanes bore his son, Genubath, who Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Genubath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. But when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers, and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Send me away that I may go to my own country. Then Pharaoh said to him, but what have you lacked with me that, behold, you are seeking to go to your own country? And he answered, nothing. Nevertheless, you must surely let me go. God also raised up another adversary to him, Reason, the son of Eliada, who fled from his lord, had a desert king of Zobath. And he gathered men to him and became leader of a Merudian band after David slew them of Zobath. And they went to Damascus and stayed there and reigned in Damascus. So he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, along with the evil that Hadad did. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Aram. Then Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and Ephraimite, of Zeradah, Solomon's servant, 
whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. Now, this was the reason why he rebelled against the king. Solomon built the Milo, the Milo, and closed up the breach of the city of his father David. Now, the man Jeroboam was a valiant warrior. And when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he appointed him over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. And it came about at that time, when Jeroboam went out to Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shalonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had clothed himself with a new cloak, and both of them were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took, took hold of the new cloak which, which was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give you ten tribes. But he will have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel. Because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashereth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the sons of Ammon. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and observing my statutes and my ordinances, as his father David did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose, who observed my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom from his son's hand and give it to you, even ten tribes. But to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may have a lamp always before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen for myself to put my name. And I will take you, and you shall reign over whatever you desire, and you shall be king over Israel. Then it will be that if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build you an enduring house as I built for David. And I will give Israel to you. Thus, I will afflict the descendants of David for this, but not always. Solomon thought, therefore, to put Jeroboam to death. But Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt. And he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Verse 41. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon and whatever he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of Acts of Solomon? Does the time of that's the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of his father David. And his son Rehoboam reigned in his place. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for giving us your stories, your faithfulness. 
so we can look at the different men and women of the Bible so we can see what we should do and what we shouldn't do, Lord. But, Lord, we know that everywhere we go in the Bible, every, everywhere we go in any of these 40 books, we find that you're faithful always. We find that your requirements never change. And we find that for those men and women who do right in your sight, you always bless them, Lord. But we also find those men and women who do not, there's a price to be paid, Lord. But Lord, we just thank you so much because we have your word and we ask you that you be with us tonight and let your Holy Spirit speak to us so we can continue to grow and glorify you and properly represent you everywhere we go. In the name of Jesus, amen. So that is the mission today to get through the entire chapter. And, um, you know, if you recall back in chapter 4, it says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breath of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. So if we just look back, we read this about Solomon, and it's like, wow. Now, who could have ever said years down the line, Solomon was going to have a totally different ending when we're reading now, this man is wise beyond anybody will ever be. But as we know, all good things come from God, and as we know, this is a gift that God gave him. Now, has God given you a gift? I'm sure he has, plenty of them, children, Right? Some of them. But the gifts that God has given us, they're not even for us. They're for us to edify the church. Now, as you think about those gifts, I encourage you to protect them, guard them, use them for the church, share with people these gifts that you have, whom was provided to you by a perfect father, because your perfect father knows how to give perfectly to you in all seasons of your life. The wisdom of, Zo- of Solomon surpassed all people in chapter 4. But now we're getting to the point, as we just read, so the Lord became angry with Solomon. God appeared twice to Solomon. I mean, I'm praying just for maybe a half a second, Right? But twice, twice, without a shadow of a doubt, he knew that was God. Not just God, but the God, the only God that could ever have been, that did everything. But still, he went after other gods, it says. It's almost as if Solomon was saying, you know what? Uh, Thank you, but now that I have all this wisdom that you have given me, I can categorize all this wisdom and all this understanding and put it into the way that's better for me. It's like almost as, as if it's rejecting God's wisdom and God's teachings. Now, we all talk about the heart. 
because his heart had turned from the Lord. And we have to ask ourselves at this moment, where is your heart? Where is it? And you know what? We got to say sometimes it's easy to have the heart where it should be on Sunday during church service, during Wednesdays. But where has your heart been the last couple of months? Where has it been all of last week? Have you left your first love? Now, I don't need to tell you that if you have, you should, you must, you have to go back to your first love. But, once again, the man with the greatest wisdom ever, God says, because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel. So if it happened to this man who was so full of wisdom, and then I am not, not even close, how much more careful do I have to be to make sure that I don't make a mistake and I start, you know, creating all these gods or, or worshiping other false gods, as well as all of us? Because if it happened to Solomon, we can pretty much guarantee that we're going to have things in our life that are going to slowly creep in and are going to want us are going to fight for our attention, our passions, our love. We have all heard, a divided house will not stand. A divided house will not stand. A divided nation. We talk about so many folks, so many Americans saying, you know, we, we don't want a divided nation, right? But do you want a divided home? Do you want a divided marriage? It really goes back to how crucial praying for one another is. Are you praying? It makes me think, Solomon, were you praying? Was anyone praying for Solomon? When we walk into our church, when we walk into our homes... On the outside, we can seem to be okay, but we cannot forget, we must remember what we are bringing in to our home, to our job, to our church, to our meetings, wherever we go, is our spiritual presence. So in Solomon, what type of spiritual presence was Solomon bringing in where he was going? Well, his heart was far from God. Now us... We do our best to do the best that we can with our jobs, with, our, with everything, right? And we can look from the outside. We can seem from the outside to be doing okay. But forget about the outside. Let's go back to your heart. When you walk into your home, what spiritual presence are you bringing in? Fathers, we have the challenge. We have the responsibility to be the leaders of our home. Not just leaders, but spiritual leaders as well. So when I walk into my home, I must recognize and realize what, what, what is my spiritual condition at this moment? Am I right with God? Because I will, exp I will be exposing to my family, to everywhere I go, what the condition of my heart is. I will be. You know, Solomon's kingdom, 
had great wealth, military power, prestige. And it's almost as if one can say, of course they were so powerful, they had so much military power. They had wealth, they had prestige, they had, I mean, they, they had it all. But is that what created? I mean, how did they get that? But the fact is, the reason why they had wealth, power, prestige, is because of the obedience and faithfulness of the king. So because of their obedience and faithfulness to the king, Israel had all this wealth, power, and prestige. That's why they had it. But their security wasn't in these things. And perhaps something started to happen in which they thought, whoa, we're good. But no. As you start turning away from God, as you start, you know, having a divided heart, as you start worshiping other things, what do we read now where we are with the story of Solomon? I will surely tear the, tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servants. You know, God promised the entire kingdom of Israel to have descendants of David, right? You guys remember that? But remember, there was a condition. And the condition was, if your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. That was the condition. God promised that to David. David reminded Solomon of this, but he reminded him, he reminded him of the condition. This was a requirement. So, for us individually, for us with family and friends who we say our Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ, is this condition real to us? Because it should be, but this condition, you know where you are with it, will tell you what the condition of your heart is. I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. So I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. This struck me when I read this because when I'm reading this, it, it, it brought me this great joy, but at the same time this, this fear because it's like, for the sake of your servant David? So because of that, God is delaying tearing down the kingdom. So I'm asking myself, so my faithfulness now or my, and my faithfulness tomorrow, will it have an impact after my passing in the lives of my children and their children? Could that be? But we see, we see here clearly that for the sake of your father, David. Now, as we can see, he's not deciding not to tear down the kingdom, but at least he is delaying it. Why? Due to what? For the sake of your father, David. I never really considered this much myself, that my actions, what I do in my life, how much I pray, or how I love my kids, or, or how my faithfulness to God most of all, how that will impact my children's children and their children once I'm past. 
But this is actually encouraging to me and, and very powerful to know that my God is so powerful, that my God is so good, that as I do my best to worship him in spirit and in truth, to really live the life that I should be, to know that one day my son who's sitting there, he's going to have another son, and perhaps God is going to have mercy on him because, you know, what? I remember your grandfather, you know, he, he did his best. So just for us to know that we have, there's, there's this possibility to impact the future generations after, I, after we pass, that's a beautiful thing. But it's not me who's doing it. It's God, right? It's God. But God is so good that, wow, for the sake, for the sake of your father. So we know now this great kingdom that begun, now God is saying, it's going away. It's going away. It's no good anymore. But why? Well, we know why, but because the person in charge didn't do what God said. And we know, once again, we talk about it so often, and I seem to be always bringing it up, is leadership. Pastor Dave, doesn't he always say, every single Christian is a leader. We're not followers. We're leaders. But what are we doing as leaders? Are we doing the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? So we start to see this division of Solomon, of his heart. We start to see what's going to take place. We start to see what's happening. And now we move on, and then we see after that, that two foreign adversaries of Solomon... Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad, right? And then we see also that in verse 23 to 25, we talk about another adversary, reason. And then as we continue to read in verse 26, it says, Then Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and Ephraimite from Serda, from Serida, whose mother's name was Seruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. And this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the Milo and repaired the damages to the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing that the young man was industrious, made him the officer over all the labor force of the house of Joseph. Now, as we can see, Solomon still has wisdom, right? He still has discernment. He's seeing that this guy, whoa, he's talented, he's powerful, he's brave. I'm going to have him, you know, be responsible for some things. But in reality, if we... Listen to this, 1 Kings 5.4. This is when Solomon was getting ready to build the temple. It goes, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. 
there is neither adversary nor evil. Right? But now, what's happening? Now he's got Hadad, an enemy in the, no- in the south. Reason, an enemy in the north. And now he's got Jeroboam, rebellion within. So Solomon was in such a place where everything was in perfect condition. The blessings of God were everywhere. Nobody dared to attack Israel. Nobody dared to question it. But now, enemy here, enemy there, enemy within. And you see, that's what happens. When we start disobeying God, when we start going away, when we start to compromise what God says, we start to live, there's, there's this open space that we create for bad or evil things to be around us. We can't compromise. Because now, look, he's compromising now. He's got enemies all over the place. What do you think God was trying to tell Solomon at this time? Enemy here, enemy there, enemy, an Israelite, an enemy. And we know, we know one of the most powerful ways God will speak to us is through what? Our trials and our tribulations. It's a certainty. You may not be praying as hard, as much, as powerful as when you're in pain. Because you know the only one that can solve, that can give you peace, that can take care of it is God himself. But what does God do? God allows these things to happen. Not for him, but for our sake. So we can see the areas where we're lacking, where we're compromising. So we can not do it again. And how often can you look back? And you can identify or remember your trials and tribulations. And you can say, well, you know, because if that happened, I'm much wiser today. Because that happened, I'm much stronger today. Because that happened, I know how to fight. And it is a fight. No, forget, it's a war. It's a war. So how are you fighting in this war? With your knowledge and understanding? With what you want? With compromise? With... With a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But look back recently to your trials and tribulations. What were they? God is exposing you to you so you can see the areas of need, the areas that God wants to lift up. Listen, it's impossible. It's impossible to call ourselves Christians and stay the same. It's impossible. We can't. I can't say I'm I'm saved and yet be the same dude I've always been for 40 years. No way. Impossible. And of course we can see and we can see in different people's lives that we have changed. We have progressed. However, no matter how many years you've been walking with Christ, you still need him wholeheartedly. You still need him 100%. One of the saddest things that I've seen is to see a person 
who seems to be who seems to have have been stuck, in, you know, in the third grade of Christianity for for ten years. After a while, listen, we got to be mature Christians. We must for our own good. I don't want to be immature. But you know what? God knows everything. God is perfect in all his ways. And as we see here in, in the word that we have just read, that he already knew this was going to happen. He already knew. He already had a plan. He already knew who was going to be taken over and how the kingdoms were going to be divided in two. We read that the only tribe that was faithful was the tribe of Judah, right? Well, they say that the tribe of Benjamin and Judah came together, and Judah was the one that, that's the kingdom that it belonged to. But from the 12 tribes, only one? From the 12 tribes, only one. What does that what does it show us? It shows that there's a, there's a lot of leadership that was not being effective by how they were raising their families, by, now they were, by the way they were expecting uh, for them to be faithful to their God, by them compromising. I mean, one out of all of them? Is that God's lack of faithfulness? But it's amazing how, as we see the prophet going to speak to Jeroboam, what does he do? He warns him again. He says, he talks about, and he tells him, you know, the prophet tells Jeroboam, because they have forsaken me. So he reminds them again, and he tells us again, that what happens when you and I disobey what God says? Everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. This, of course, sets the stage for Jeroboam and the great opportunity. Now, what I find very interesting, maybe for the lack of a better word, is do you remember how David was not allowed to King Saul, to kill Saul? Remember? So Jeroboam, he fled to Egypt. And Solomon was going after him because he wanted to kill him. But Jeroboam just left. Now you would think... If a, prophet, if a prophet comes to you and he says, you know what, you're going to get 10 of the tribes. You're going to be in charge. I'm going to give you all of Israel. You would think, wow, I'm in solid. I'm in so, I mean, I'm good. I am really good. But he just fled. He just fled to Egypt and waited for Solomon to die. And of course... We're seeing that God did not allow 
for Solomon to be killed by anybody, for him just to pass on. But let's, let's, let's wrap it up now with, with Solomon's death, okay? So now we got to ask ourselves, we've read the stories of Solomon, his wisdom, his greatness. So we got to ask, okay, what can we learn from Solomon? And I'm sure you can think of different things. I know you're thinking right now, well, this or maybe that. And we often hear stories of men and women who, who we say they fell last night, right? This happened. But you know what? In reality, they have been slowly sliding maybe for months or maybe for years. It just so happened that maybe last night it was exposed, the condition of their heart, The spiritual condition was fully exposed to where they were. Now remember, in chapter 3 of 1 Kings, what did Solomon do? He married the daughter of Pharaoh. I mean, he already knew that was not permitted. And now we move forward in what? 700 wives? 300 concubines? So now we can see, we can't be surprised. He was already compromising at the very beginning. And he kept compromising, and he kept compromising, and he kept compromising. And now the kingdom, it's done. The promise that God said to David, no one did it, but one, but one. The wisest men ever had discernment, but no obedience. Once we have discernment and we understand what's happening, we understand what's going on, we need to obey God's word according to what's going on. Discernment gives us so we can understand what's going on, right? So we can understand what's going on in the church, so we can understand what's going on in our marriages, so we can understand what's going on in our lives. And then based on what's going on, we keep moving ahead according to what the Bible says that we should do, how we should act. But Solomon knew, hey, you cannot be marrying these different people because it's, no, it's forbidden. But he didn't care. So even though he understood it, he didn't obey it. And there's going to continue to be times in our lives where we just can't claim ignorance anymore. I remember when I was a young Christian, uh, you know, maybe I was 22, 23, and I said to myself, well, God, I really didn't know. I just didn't know. But now, I'm 41. Now I know. Now I know. So now if I do the wrong thing, if I disobey, you know what that is? I am willfully disobeying and sinning against my God. And there's no excuse. So I think maybe the, perhaps the biggest takeaway, or maybe a couple of takeaways that we can learn from Solomon is, that God is faithful to give us wisdom, to give us understanding. God says to pray for this, right? 
pray for wisdom and understanding. But for what? Well, because once we have the wisdom and understanding, we can act accordingly. So discernment and obedience come hand in hand. Discernment and obedience come hand in hand. If Solomon was being obedient, perhaps we see a complete different story. What good is the truth of God if you and I are not willing to submit to it? It's no good at all. But as as God has revealed to you his truth, his power, his salvation, as God has given you this new birth, as God has blessed you with gifts, Guard it, protect it, use it for the church, use it to advance the gospel. And under no circumstances, do not compromise. Do not compromise. And I'll leave you with this. You have to find and I have to find a friend who's willing to tell you, Simon, what are you doing marrying Pharaoh's daughter? God said, no. We know we can't forsake the gathering of one another. Right? But listen, we need God's wisdom. We need to apply God's wisdom. Do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. But guys, we need a friend. We need somebody to be honest with us and just say, hey, you're blowing it. Hey, that's not what God says. And if you don't have that person, I don't think Solomon had that person. But no matter what position you hold, no matter where you, what you do, you need that person. And if you don't have somebody there willing to tell you the truth about God's word, not about what they feel, about God's word, you might be in trouble. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, because it is without a shadow of a doubt that you are faithful, that you are perfectly faithful, Lord, and we're not. But, Lord, you continue, Lord, to forgive us. You continue to give us chance after chance after chance, Lord. And, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, for this prayer for all of us, Lord, that we may have discernment, that we may have understanding, but also, Lord, that we may be brave like Jeroboam and obey. Obey your word. Let us obey your word, Lord. And Lord, I also pray for all of us, Lord, that we have a person in our lives that has the strength and the courage to tell us when we're doing something wrong out of love. So, Lord, 
You know this very moment, the condition of our hearts. You know where we are. And Lord, don't let our hearts be divided. Because nothing divided will stand, Lord. So Lord, please, Lord, bring us back to you fully, wholly, and let us have our hearts fully dependent and planted on you, Lord, and nothing else. So, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, because we know that you will finish the work that you have started in us. Because you're perfect and you're faithful in all your ways. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's the perfect, perfect thing to remember that you have a perfect father. He's perfect in all his ways. And he perfectly provides for all his sons and daughters. Perfectly. So your hope and my hope, let it be only on our Father. Because he'll take care of us. You guys have a good night, okay? Did you say amen?